podcast for the working cowboy. Oh, all right. Well, Mr. Scott Hall, it's been a few minutes since uh since you've been on, but you've been uh had your nose buried in a and and some silver here lately, so been a little busy, huh? Yo man. Yep. Assholes and elbows as they say. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just, just going as hard as we can go, trying to make a buck. Yeah, how the how the winter treat you over in Colorado? You know, it was a little bit of snow. It wasn't near as bitter cold as what they tell me it usually is. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't think it was bad, but the house we live in is what 120 some years old. Oh. And so, it's not the best insulated. Uh, <laughs> I bet not. We we put in a fireplace, and we were burning wood, as well as running space heaters. And uh, most days we'd we'd turn on a space heater in the bedroom about three hours before we had to climb into bed, or else <laughs> we'd just sit there and shiver in bed until the room. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was chilly. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Uh, we had a we had a few cold days. I don't think it ever got below zero though. Um, oh yeah, it was uh, like it was pretty mild, really. Like we had it hovered around, maybe got down to right at zero. I don't, but I don't think it ever dipped below. Um, mm. Dry. We got a, a nice. I wouldn't. We get it was nice uh, snow in December, and then we didn't get much of anything after that. Had a had a little snow here and there, but it's uh it's pretty pitiful. Snowpack's gone. It's uh gonna be a dry hopefully hopefully they get some rain this summer, but I don't know. It's it's dry. Dry everywhere it seems. Hmm. Yeah, we've we've actually had the most moisture that this country's seen in a couple of years. Yeah, it was bad drought. That they were you were not far from those big fires here a couple of years ago, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's, those are some big ones. <clears throat> well, there was a pretty damn big one to the north of us. And uh, Melanie and I, we hiked up through it here the other day to see if we could get horses up through there to go for a pack trip. And mm. The Forest Service is afraid to let people walk up in through there because they're afraid of them. One of them burnt trees will fall over on someone. Oh. And to tell you the truth, the windfall was worse to get through than when we got to the burn. No shit. There wasn't anything falling across that trail in the burn. Huh. You know, the crazy winds that we'd have, we've had just as bad a wind here as any place else. Yeah. There was nothing falling over anywhere. Huh. As a matter of fact, what's been happening is, because we'll have all this rain, 
it washes through those areas that are burnt and it runs a bunch of sand and boulders across those roads. Well, there's a big spring up there to the north of, uh, I think they call it Upper Stillwater. That's what uh-huh. that reservoir is. And uh, we had hiked up to where that where that burn ended to the north. Okay. Uh, we thought, well, we'll hike up there a little ways further, and we come to a spot where all those boulders had washed into the creek, and it had rerouted the creek, and you couldn't see the trail. It had washed that trail clear away. Jeez. All there was was just a big boulder field everywhere with water running through it. Huh. It was really something. That's wild. Yeah, it's that whole country they tell me has changed because of the floods. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it's like fishing up high, but for quite a while the fishing wasn't real great down low. It's just barely getting better. I don't know if you know I I like to fly fish quite a bit. Yeah, I've seen your seen some of your pictures. I've uh I grew up out on the flatlands, so I never uh I never really developed the the interest because there it it was quite a ways to anywhere where you could actually do any fly fishing from where I was. Well, I'll tell you, Matt, for me, I never was about catching fish, you know, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing because I suck at catching <laughs> fish. But uh, I I just like to be up there in the wilderness and, you know, it's not hunting season, so you can't shoot anything, so there's something to do. And I, fly fishing has a lot to do with whipping that string around, you know. Yeah. And, uh, perfecting that and landing it in different spots so it's a lot like roping for me mm. and i absolutely love to rope yeah so uh i have started to learn a little bit about fly fishing to where i can catch fish now yeah but it's taken me a while to figure it out right i mean I, mm. there was a gentleman kind enough to take me aside and teach me a little bit and wasn't too long I was catching fish, but uh man, I'll I'll bet you it was over a year before I could consistently catch anything. Huh. Yeah, I mean it, it's like hunting for fish. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. You got the wrong kind of fly on or you're not playing that fly right. <laughs> they ain't gonna hit it. Yeah. I uh see I, I used to go bass and catfishing uh I wouldn't say a lot, but you know, fairly regular when I back in Kansas before I got married and whatnot. I get off at work when, especially when I was calling feed, I'd get get done at like two thirty, three o'clock, something like that. So I just uh, I'd go get a cooler of beer and some some worms and just go down to the pond and and fish for a couple hours, <coughs> listen yeah. to podcasts and fish. You know, I was a was kind of my uh, my jam and. Yeah, just something relaxing. I I don't know if I ever kept it. I'm not much of a fish eater anyways. I mean, I grew up, uh, I think uh, Abilene, Kansas is uh, is where Eisenhower was from. And that's considered the geographic center of the United States. It's like uh, midway between L.A. and New York, I think. Huh. And so I, I was about... I don't know, probably four or five hours from Abilene, Kansas. So just about as far as you could get from any major body of water uh, and still be in the United States. <laughs> so yeah. um, we uh, we just didn't eat a whole lot of fish. My my folks uh, loved, loved seafood. They they lived down in 
uh, South Texas down by uh, Corpus Christi for a while. Oh, and yeah. uh, and they they ate a lot of seafood down there, but yeah, not not up not in uh, southeast Colorado. There's a there's a few rivers here and there, but they were quite a ways from where I was. And yeah. <clears throat> I've never been a big fan of bass to eat. It's, they're pretty fun to catch, but um, I wasn't a big fan of, of eating them. So catfish is pretty good though. Catfish uh, get a get a good beer batter on the on catfish. That's pretty tasty. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So generally speaking, I don't catch many bass. Generally I'm just hunting trout, you know. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, this is good trout waters up here. Oh yeah. A lot of, oh my gosh, there's a lot of little streams and the number of lakes in this country it blow your mind. Oh you man. On a map. There's just lake after lake after lake to the north of us and we're we're actually a little bit more north of uh, Duchesne, Utah. Okay. Than any place else. So we're, we're just at the foot of the mountains. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say at the foot of them, I mean, it's it's starting to be some real pretty country right through here. A lot yeah. of pine trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go up the road about, I don't know if it's even 20 minutes away. You can be in pretty good fishing waters. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, if you put some time in, you can get into a lot of lakes, just what they call the high mountain lakes up in the high Uinas. Yeah. Pretty, pretty impressive, really. Oh, I bet. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, those those mountains over there are really neat. That's a really neat country. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. It would be nicer if there was more cowmen over here. Oh, I know. There's a there's a handful of them, um, mostly a a bunch of oil field folks that have cows. Mm. And uh, once in a while, you'll come across a buckaroo. A lot of wanaroos around this area. Yeah, um, a lot of them, and I don't know why. I'm not sure. I, you know, I was around it long enough that to me, there's piss poor hands in every end of the cow business oh yeah and it seems like a lot of guys want to be buckaroos and i'm just like what difference does it make if you're a hand you're a hand yeah i don't care if you got rubber on your horn if you know what you're doing you can rope with 30 feet of rope and get the job done more power to you yep i, I use 60 foot of rope because i ride slow horses <laughs> <laughs> I was I was telling my brother in law this weekend. I said I'm I'm at the point in my my life I've I've accepted I'm not going to be the the best roper out there. I'm not going to be the best bronc stomper out there. I'm not going to be the best horseman. But you could drop me in just about any situation, and I could probably get by. I don't know if I'll be the best one out there, but I I, I probably most likely won't be in the way all that much. And. uh and I feel pretty confident about that, that I could at least hang with just about, just about any situation. Yeah, that's, that's me. You know, I, I get around guys around here and I had a guy walk up to me the other day. All I was doing is helping them brand, you know, and they needed to process a few head of bulls after we were done. And we're pushing bulls up this alleyway. And of course, everything's on foot because we're just crowding them up the alleyway through the crabbing pin you know yeah and this guy steps up to me he's like 
you're a pretty good hand. And I was like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I get by, you know, I just try to, I just try to get the dang job done. Yeah. You know, if I, if somebody thinks that I'm a good hand, they, they probably haven't been around too many really good hands. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I feel. Like I, I, uh, I just try not to 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 stick out one way or the other. I know I'm not good enough to stick out on the real handy side, but I think I'm I'm good enough to where I can kind of blend in and just kind of not be noticed one way or the other. Right. I I like the way Tom Hudson looks at it. He told me he said, "You know what really what matters is the guy shows up to work." Yeah. <laughs> a lot that's of times a lot of times that's true. That's yeah. uh you know, it's funny. I always, it always cracks me up, especially like the more and more I'm around cow hands, it just it cracks me up how, uh, just like how romanticized it, it all, all became, you know, it was just, uh, you know, strict moral code and, uh, you know, tip your hat, all the stuff. And a lot of that's true, but also like, have you ever met a whole lot of cowboys? A lot of them are some of the worst people uh, <laughs> in society. But damn, they can rope pretty good. So you know, you let them. You kind of let them hang around. <laughs> um, you know, for a lot of years, that was something I would tell people: is that the hardest people I ever had to get along with were buckaroos. Yeah. Oh my gosh, some of them were. Honoring sons of bitches. Oh you yeah, know, you can ask anybody. Mm. You know, like old Merv Takus, he was he was a tough nut. Now, yeah, <clears> the <throat> guy that I, I that rides uh, pins with me now uh, worked for for Merv at the at uh, Squaw Valley. I think is was that is that right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. His name. Uh, well, I'll tell you his name off air. I don't. I don't know if he. Uh, he wants to be mentioned, so we'll. But uh, he he's told me a couple stories about that that fella, and yeah, he said same thing. He's he's a good guy, but he was he was a rough one. Yeah, yeah, and you know he wasn't the only one that I came across that was really tough to get along with. You know, some of them, some of the tougher ones to get along with were just the ranchers. Yeah, just I think they had had enough of the bullshit and had enough yeah. guys that just wanted the buckaroo. They didn't want to do anything but cowboy. Mm-hmm. I think they'd had enough and they weren't going to put up with nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Just, just really hard nosed and screaming and yelling. I mean, scream so much. You didn't know if you're doing the right thing or the wrong. Yeah. Thing, you, know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those deals like those memes you see with the guy and you know, it's like the, the hard pills to swallow. And, you know, you look and it's like um, the reason a lot of ranchers went to four wheelers is because the, the cowboys drove them there. You know, it's uh, <laughs> that's, that's probably more true than anything. Yeah, you know, because they, they got well, tired of just getting screwed over by cowboys. They're like, fuck it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sell my horses. I'll get a damn four wheeler. I don't have to worry about another one of these damn cowboys. I can go hire a kid to sit a, a four wheeler. <laughs> yeah we've we've been in enough country that you just couldn't ride a four-wheeler in yeah but uh, by then there's been a time or two i sure tried yeah yeah there's a time or two i was trying to get a job done by myself i 
I'd have like 400 head of cows to move and I'd be like, man, I got to move these cattle three miles and I got 400 head and it's just me. <coughs> I know they're going to, I know they're going to outrun me and it's just going to be hell, you know? So I, one afternoon I jumped on his four wheeler and I was like, okay, here we go. I don't even think I made it a half a mile. Ripped the <laughs> rear end, cleared out from under it. <laughs> You know, I was like, well, okay, back to the drawing board. Yeah. <laughs> back to that, saddle horses. <laughs> you know, when we, uh, when we were doing that, that combined cow calf deal, uh, there at Syracuse, I was, I was only, you know, I was the, I was the cattle manager, but I, I managed myself and that was it. I was only the only employee <laughs> of the cattle department. And, uh, so crew and boss. Huh? Yeah, and this was before I I convinced him to let let me uh start just roping and uh tagging calves. So we had a we had a four-wheeler with one of those little cages on it, it had a little door and you could hit the little oh, yeah. you could stomp on the little switch and slam the gate and they're kind of fun. It's a farmer rig and I know and I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed to say that I had fun on it, but <laughs> there was times when uh like I there you get a couple of those calves you're like I know I would have had a hard time roping that little bastard too, especially in those feedlot pens. So yeah, you know, and I would I what's wonder I never killed any calves cuz I'd uh <laughs> you know that you you get up there and and trip the gate and then they just stop all of a sudden you just right over the top of them <laughs> oh it, it was uh yeah it was a little bit of a shit show but it was kind of fun i'm not uh i'm not proud to say it but i will say it was it was kind of fun <laughs> yeah i mean you, you always have to try you know mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a, it was kind of a low point in my cowboy career but it sure was kind of fun at times there was an old kid that neighbored us over in Buell. They had come from over in the Shoshone country. <clears throat> and he, uh, he had this calf that he needed a doctor. And he says, Scott, he says, you ever rope a cow from the back of a pickup? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's not that bad. So he has me jump on the back of this flatbed pickup. And he hauls ass out through there. I'm thinking, why in the hell aren't we using horses? I mean, this guy's, he had some damn cowy horses. He could rope good. Mm-hmm. He knew cows. You know, and, and that Shoshone country is kind of known for having some buckaroos, you know. And I thought, what the hell? <laughs> why are we roping this cow off the pickup? So he hauls ass up to her. And I neck her, you know. And He's like, dally around that little, you know, the little bar that runs along the flatbed on the side yeah. of it. He's like, take a dally around that. I'm like, okay. So I start winding the tail end of this rope around it. And, and then he's trying to tell me how to, you know, get shortened up and get shortened up. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I've never battled to get a cow doctored so hard in my life. <laughs> short and she'd run back and forth and crash into the pickup and <laughs> pitch around the side of the bed. Oh my word! I was like, "This is absolutely not worth it." Oh, so, it, when well, it's one of those deals when you could just loped up there, threw a loop around her neck, and let her choke you out about 
you know, at about 30 feet out there and then lay her down. Yep. Easily. Yeah. Easily, you know, and still to this day, I'm sitting here wondering why in the world did he want to do it that way? Because huh. he had, a, I mean, he had like 10 head of nice horses. Yeah. And he knew how to rope. I know he knew how to rope because I doctored calves in the pasture with him quite a bit. But this was a little cow on his own place. I don't know what his deal was. <laughs> I would bet yeah. dollars to donuts. He thought, I don't want to go saddle a horse, so this will this will be quicker. And then once once you got her roped, you're committed. So then it was just right. like <laughs> you can't admit you're wrong now. <laughs> You know what? You're probably right. He probably thought, oh, this will be faster. This will be slick. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, I've... Uh, it's absolute mess. We uh, we used to go through on the in the little side-by-side, and, uh, you know, whoever was in the in the passenger seat would go, go rope a calf, and then, you know, once once that rope come tight, you'd have to go running after it. But, you know... Uh, you know, after a while, you got your horses were just played out and sour, so you just give them a break and you go fuck around on the on the little gators and and hope uh, hope none of your other cowboy buddies see you <laughs> more than anything. You know that place that I worked for up in uh, Burley, Idaho. When I first went there, that's how they were doctoring calves; is they were using side by side. Yeah, and I I asked them one day, I'm like, so how do you do that? Because they weren't taking a rope. Oh. Like, what? You're not even trying to rope them out of the side of it? They're like, no, we just drive up alongside of them, and then we circle them up, and then bail out on top of them. (laughs) 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 Like, holy shit. (laughs) You know, I I was in pretty good shape back then, so I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot, you know? Yeah. So this kid, he, he drives up to one, and we're cruising along in this side by side and he circles one up, jumps out while he's driving. <laughs> let's, let's the side by side just kind of take off. <laughs> and of course, like, it cruises to a stop, you know, but he's running out there and he didn't catch up to the calf and he's like, well, we'll get him up to him again. So he drives up to him again, circles him up again. I mean, running the piss out of this sick calf. You know? <laughs> And I asked him, I said, why do you think that's better than roping it off of a horse? He's like, well, you got all this medicine to pack. I'm like, why don't you just drive the side-by-side out and park it and then go rope? Yeah. Well, then you've got to drive the side-by-side and then you got to go get your horse. Like, hell, just lead your horse. Yeah. They're broke to lead, you know, so that's what we started doing and that was the only time that we ever tried to get one on, you know, yeah. jumping out of that damn buggy. And uh, from there on out, it was roping. Yeah. And by the time branding season came around, holy crap, we were some roping sons of bitches now. Yeah, that's kind of how we were. Like once I, once we we got uh, enough calves on the ground where I wasn't able to keep up on my own when you got to start hiring some people and then. And convinced him, like, hey, it's going to be way quicker if we can just rope. I mean, like, and and it's, in long run, it's going to be better on the calves, too, because uh, one of these days I'm going to kill one of them little, one of, one of them calves with, <laughs> with that little buggy. 
And, uh, and then, yeah, that we, we, we went back and that four wheeler saw very little use after that. I mean, it, and eventually they just took the cage off uh, completely, but it was, uh, yeah. And then I, 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 I pulled a pretty slick one. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of proud of this, but I, I got him to buy ropes and everything for us. So like it was, a wow. You know, I, I was doing everything I could to get some of the guys that the good hands that worked outside to come, come, uh, work in a feedlot, you know? So I was, I was getting all the perks I could and, uh, and we were buying nice, like, you know, like good before I, I started roping with the long ropes, but like we were buying nice, like classic spiders and shit, you know, like pretty, you know, pretty nice ropes and, uh, and the company bought them all. So it, and yeah, we got, we got pretty good at roping calves. It was, uh. Yeah, I, 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 uh, that was probably the, the single biggest jump in my, like, my roping ability was that <laughs> once we started tagging calves, uh, just roping and tagging them and, and doctor and whatnot. It was, yeah, I got way, way better than I was before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what really, well, I'm, I had been several years, as you know, before I went back up to Idaho. Yeah. Hadn't even been to any brandings hardly for, quite a few years went over there and started roping and doctoring all the time <clears throat> we didn't just have to doctor those baby calves we had to uh, go doctor in a feed yard as well mm. so it wasn't too long we were roped up pretty good and then branding season come around started getting a little bit ropier you know and yeah i actually started trying to pull out some of the fancy loops again and Throw some of the big old nasty hip shots and a lot of the, uh, oh, not a lot of Delvienos, but just, just that kind of, yeah, fancy looping, you know, turnover loops. Yeah. It all started to come back together for me. But, uh, shoot this year, I think it's been six months since I did any roping, you know, before branding season started. Mm. So once branding season rolled around, I had, I was kind of rusty again. Not bad. Yeah. Not like it had been years, you know. And so it took me a minute to get roped up again. Now I feel like I'm back to my normal self. Not that I'm some kind of roper, but I feel a lot better about it now than I did, you know, coming out of spring. That's always the, the tough part is. When you first break out in the spring trying to rope and you haven't roped anything all winter. Oh yeah. Trying to get a little bit, just a little rusty, you know. I know. I'm, uh, I'm flying solo for the next three or four days here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna break out the GoPro again. We got nothing but, uh, crossbred dairy steers and, uh, and Holstein heifers. So I'm, uh, and, and it's real slow right now. So I'm just gonna take my time and, rope shit just to rope shit there you go yeah so uh do you guys generally rope to doctor over there no we got uh since they're all customer cattle and then like even on the beef side um they're mostly one owner but even then when it's uh like a family operation so there might be three different owners in one set of cattle and so we got to keep pretty precise inventory. So everything goes through the chute unless they can't, you know, they have no qualms doctoring in the pen, but they, uh, you know, they, they like to run it through the chute so we can get, get us all the information, uh, 
that they need anyway. So, uh, but so. yeah, they got no problem uh, with us using a rope. And, and if something's going to be easier to just doctor in the pin, you know, like say you get something with an abscess, like right on the shoulder, like there's, there's no sense trying to run that through the chute because you're, you're going to have to catch him with his front legs out and he's going to beat you to death with his head. So you're better off just to rope him, stretch him out and, and just do it out there in the pen. And so like, they, they, my boss, uh, for the most part, just lets me do my job and it's, uh, pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, I'm trying to figure out where you're located exactly. Okay, so we're we're about an hour and a half south of Reno, or about an hour hour south of uh, Carson. So if you take 395 out of out of Carson through Gardnerville, and then um, right uh, right before uh, like 395, will we'll, there's a junction there, and then 395 will go on over through Topaz Lake and then into California right there. <clears throat> if you take that other spur, that'll, that, that little highway 208 will take you down into Smith Valley. And that's where, where I'm at. Okay. So <clears throat> we're, uh, we're right. We're like the two valleys over from California, basically. So there's some pretty good cow outfits around there. Uh, there it's, it's a lot of family owned stuff. And, um, yeah, they're not bad. I uh they're uh, they're they're pretty for the most part pretty traditional, you know, buckaroo style. It's a, it's a head and heel just about everywhere. Um Oh yeah. Not not any real like big big outfits, so it's all all kind of smaller family family stuff, but and uh yeah, a lot of a lot of irrigated pasture, you know, hay fields here in the in the valley, and then <clears throat> high mountain pasture uh, over on the California side. A lot of a lot of them run, you know, running here in in Nevada, and then up in Colville, Bridgeport, that area. Bishop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so did you make it over that Bishop Mule days? I haven't yet. I, I want to. I hear that's a good time. Yeah. I'd kind of like to get over that way and check it out sometime. I would I too. That's another one on my list. I've kind of got a bucket list of like all the, the cool cowboy events that I want to go to. Like I want to go, I want to go up to Pendleton for, for the, for the roundup there. I want to go to Jordan Valley and, you know, and then just like do podcasts while I'm up there. But <clears throat> like, I want to go to the, the Brandeman pro-am down there and, uh, San Luis Obispo and, <laughs> you know, just hit, hit some of those, like, uh, what was the one, uh, Tracy was just at, uh, it was like Ben Johnson days down in, in, in Texas. And then there's like, uh, Tom Horn days there in, uh, in Wyoming. There's, there's a bunch of those little deals I'd like to go to. And I'm just going to check them off my list one by one, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I've, I've been to a few of those, but. I've always wanted to go to uh, what's the big roping that they are not roping, but the big rodeo that they have out in Wyoming. that's all outdoors. I mean, it's all out of the arena. Ah, uh, is that up in KC? 
Is that where that is? I I don't remember now. I've always wanted to go watch it though. It's where they get on their bucking horses from another horse. Yeah. 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 That that might be Tom Horn days. I'm not for sure, but there's so. there's some cool uh cool events like that. And I, I'd like to do some like goofy cowboy events too. Like I that deal I was saying uh like the other day I had one where like it was uh it's a ranch rodeo, but whoever's on the ground has to wear one of those like sumo inflatable sumo outfits. What? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the, the, the kind of wrecks you would have then. Right. <laughs> I think that'd be a hell of a lot of fun though. Speaking of getting on bucking horses, uh, it's been a few years ago now, but my uncle, he would put on that McCammon rodeo every year mm-hmm. over in McCammon, Idaho. And he would always do one traditional bronc ride every year. Yeah. And several times I ended up being the guy to climb on the bucking horse. And I'd, generally, I'd climb on a, a pickup man's horse. And then I'd climb onto my bucking horse and then make my bronc ride. Uh huh. But, uh, one year I couldn't seem to get this horse to stay between the other two, to the two pickup man horses. And Dave Hogan yells at me. He says, just climb on her. It used to be a saddle horse. <laughs> <laughs> so I just swung on. Way we went. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> she, it took her a minute to get bucking, but once she went to bucking pretty good, she she gave me a good spur ride, you know, and I was just riding a regular stock saddle. Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah, you know, a lot of those uh those old time rodeos, you know, they they didn't really have a time limit. It was just kinda you, you rode until you thought you either got bucked off or you thought you you, you put on good enough show to to win it and then you you know, you jumped off. But and yeah. like, sometimes they'd ride for 30 seconds to a minute or something like that. And, you know, a minute's a long damn time when a horse is bucking, you know, that's a, that's a long time to ride a bucking horse. Yeah. If you've got a horse that's bucking for, I mean, good and hard for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. Both, both of you are working your tails off. Yeah. Now. And, uh, yeah, they, it, it's funny as a lot of, most of the time you both get weaker as you go. But some yeah. some of those old horses, they seem like they just grab another gear. And oh, uh, old Mister Ted, uh, this this old fella from Oregon that lives here in the valley, I was riding a horse for him, and after about the sixth time, I think she threw me. I uh, I told uh, Mister Ted, I hate to leave. I was like, this uh, a terrible spot to leave off on a horse, but she seems to not be weakening, and I am weakening rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't see me winning this fight today. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw the towel now. <laughs> you know, ten years ago, I probably would have kept on it until I, until I got knocked out or got a road. But yeah, I was, a, I just got up a little bit slower every time. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley with the Burning Daylight Podcast. If you ever wanted to make a podcast, well, Spotify's got a platform that makes that lets you make one super easily. And then you can distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for, for Podcasters, and here's how it works. 
Spotify for podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from the phone or computer. Uh, so no matter what uh, your setup was like, you can uh, start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And uh, if you like my show, Fence Post Politics with my buddy Aaron, that's the place to watch it because it's all video all the time. And we uh, like we share videos, we comment on videos, we share news articles and uh, and funny memes. So um, it's pretty cool. Um, and also, if you want to take your conversations to uh, with your fans to the next level, uh, your question and answer, answer and polls are the best way to get them talking. You can attach that to your your podcast there and, and you get your you get you know, valuable interactions with your fan, your fans. And uh, <clears throat> with Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. And that's, uh, that, that is true. Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to do a testimonial here. Um, but anyways, this is the, the podcast I use, or the podcast uh, host that I use. I like Spotify. They're, uh, they're very good on just letting you do your thing uh, with, uh, with no catch to it. Uh, there's a good reason why Joe Rogan hosts podcasts on Spotify. And, and this, is, uh, this is a great way to get started if, you, if you've ever thought about starting a podcast. This is where I would send anybody to go. Um, <clears throat> best thing you can do is just download the Spotify for podcasters app, or you can go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. And yeah, if you've ever thought about just doing a podcast or if you're tired of paying a monthly service that, uh, doesn't seem to do much for you, Spotify podcasters is your spot. So, uh, go to spotify.com slash podcasters or download the app today. This is a, I won't, I won't gloat on this story, <clears throat> but I'll tell you, Scotty Satterthwaite cut a horse to me back when I was on the Spanish ranch. They called him Bomber. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I asked Scott after I went for a bronc ride on this horse one day, so why did they name the horse Bomber? And he says it's because when they started him, he says there was... Eight cowboys on my crew. And he says, eight of those guys climbed on that horse consecutively and would get bucked off. And he said, two of them climbed on him again. He said, 10 guys got farted down <coughs> off that horse before they got him rode. Jeez. And I yeah. learned why they called that horse Bomber. Cause I mean, you talk about buck hard now. Yeah. Ooh. He'd make your freaking feelings fall out of your teeth. <laughs> yeah. That uh yeah. that little mare of uh Mr. Ted's like she didn't do anything just out of the ordinary. She she, you know, it was it was more just like a really hard crow hop. She just kept after it, you know, and that 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 high crow hop's probably the hardest thing to to catch a rhythm, you know. Like it's not hard to ride, but it's hard to get into a rhythm and 
and really inflict any any punishment on them if if uh and you know that that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of my my mo if if we're uh you know if they're bucking i, I don't really want to make a a fancy ride i like to just uh get them covered and uh make it miserable while i'm doing it so they don't want to do it again and uh yeah, yeah. i'm not very good at making a miserable form usually i just grab a hold of anything that's got, you know, a handhold of some kind. And I just try to weather the storm. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah, some I, of them. That's all you, all you can do. Cause they're, they're too strong to pull their head around or, or, or get their head up. So you just gotta, yeah. Give them their head and just let try to stay on. Yeah. That old Dave best taught me a trick years ago. And, uh, I had never had to do it for a long time. I had a little horse over at the sunlight that he could damn sure buck me off. Yeah. <clears throat> he bucked me off a couple of times one day. I mean, I windmilled out there long ways. When I hit the ground, I mean, I was hurting. I was hurting bad. I was like, man, I got to get this horse rode. And uh, I kind of started the war on that deal. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I've been listening to TJ Simons talk too much about riding Bronx. And I was like, <laughs> That's right, Bronx, you know. And, yeah. Uh, I was kind of out of Bronx riding shape. I hadn't been riding bucking horses at that time very much. Well, they cut this horse to me. They said he was a pretty good broke horse. This is the first time that I had, had to ride him. I was out there going to go doctor some calves up on the hill. I was kind of up in this little draw by myself. I stepped on him. And he just kind of humped up real bad. I I didn't stick him hard, but I stuck him a little bit. Mm. He took a little jump, and I was like, you want a buck? And I really hucked it to him. And son of a bitch come apart down. He, he sucked back and landed back in his tracks going mm. the other way. And then he sucked back again and landed back in his tracks the other direction. So he was jumping 180 degrees and sucking back like a bull does, you know? Yeah. And, uh, dashboarded me pretty hard about that third jump. And I, I literally flipped off of this horse. I landed in a heap. And after this happened to me twice, I was like, okay, I got to get him rode. Yeah. I got to get these cattle doctored. And, and I damn sure ain't going to go home and tell the boss I didn't get it done. Yeah. So I, I had, uh, I'm trying to think what the strap was that I used, but I, I had a little strap handy. I think it was just a halter rope. Okay. And uh, I wrapped it around my stirrup leather on one side and buckled it because it was just a, that bull snap on a halter rope, you know. Uh-huh. Running underneath his belly, and then I tied it to my other stirrup leather. You call it hobbling your stirrups. Yeah. And so... uh this has been the only time that I've had to do it, but I got it tied to that other stirrup leather and I climbed in the middle of him and he did his little trick again, sucked back and sucked back and sucked back. And he did this about 10 times. And I was like, good hell, when's he going to finish, you know? Yeah. And, and I was hurting pretty good because I mean, he was really getting with it. Yeah. Well, he figured out he wasn't going to get me off and, uh, 
he just lined out and started bucking like a good saddle bronc horse does. And I mean, kicking high over his head, bucking hard. And we went for, I'll bet you, a good 400 yards. Oh. And he did not weaken. Oh. I mean, he kept it going. And I thought for sure he was going to weaken, you know, and he just wouldn't. And pretty quick, I just, of course, the whole time I'm trying to put the iron to him as much as I can without having my my feet able to move, you know. Yeah. I just try to rip it up on him, trying yeah. to wake up. And uh, we just kept on a bucking. And then he'd run for about, oh, maybe 20 yards or so. And then he'd just really go to hogging again. And I was like, son, bitch, this guy ever going to stop? You know? <laughs> we did this for probably a half a mile. I mean, I was hurting. He, he I was bet. Out of me. Oh, yeah. And I thought, wow, am I ever going to get anything doctored? You know, and he, he finally kind of quit. And uh, went to doctor and calves. Well, every time I would step back on him again, the battle was on. He'd go to bucking with me and buck for about maybe a hundred yards. Of course, now he was tired. Yeah. And did not want to try, did not want to chase a calf. Talk about an ignorant bastard. After that, I did not want to ride him, period. End of story. I was like, Shit, put him in somebody else's string, you know. Yeah. But uh that's probably about the biggest war I've ever had with a horse. Yeah. And I don't know if you could consider it winning. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah. I was damn sure cheating, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a I've had a couple of those where you're just like you try everything and you're just like, I I don't even know where to go from here. We've escalated it to the level that like if we go any further like i'm i we're kind of at a moral dilemma and at that point <laughs> you know <laughs> just like i'm not real sure where to go from here without like really initiating a lot of violence <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that uh dwight hill i i worked for him riding cults years ago and i had a little horse that well back up a step we went over to boise to put on a little clinic over there for some folks. And, and I think it was mostly supposed to be a bridal horse clinic uh-huh. and, and horsemanship, you know, but he ended up taking a horse that was bucking with people. And he's like, ready, Scott, you're going to be the human missile. And I was like, <clears throat> Oh, lovely. You know? Yeah. Super. And, and I had been riding Colts quite a bit and felt pretty forked. So I wasn't real worried about it. Well, he ropes a hind foot on this horse. I'd never had anybody do that before, you know. Mm. <laughs> so this horse goes to hog and, and gets about two jumps, and Dwight takes a dally. And, I mean, tipped this horse on its nose, and damn near, I thought we were going to go down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You talk about change this horse's attitude about bucking now. Oh, yeah. After about four or five times of that, that horse didn't want to buck. Yeah. It totally changed his mind. Yeah. But, uh, I, that's uh, that's one of those things that, you know, with uh, how things have progressed with horsemanship over the years uh, and some of the old time ways just get looked down upon, you know, because we're, we're more sophisticated. But 
Yeah, there was a reason for those old time ways. And a lot of it is because you had to do a job and that was what you had to do your job on. So let's make this work. And, and we didn't have, we don't have six weeks to do groundwork on them. Like we, we got shit to do today. So um, yeah. if you want a buck, I'm going to dump you on your head <laughs> and we'll keep doing that until you don't want to get dumped on your head anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it's effective. Right. And, and you know, I was told, Dwight told me he learned that from Ray Hunt. Oh, really? Deal a rope and a hind foot, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people, I think they figure, well, they know. You know, yeah. they know this mental horsemanship, but you got to wonder, you know, what, what exactly has been passed down? What have people walked away from? You know, yeah. when I was in college, there was a guy who was putting on cult starting classes and most of those horses, they were laying down. Mm-hmm. And that was his big thing was laying those horses down. Yep. And I don't know. You don't hear as much about it anymore, but I've had a couple of different horses that were pretty wall-eyed and I mean, they liked to battle. Yep. They never would settle down. <sighs> They just wouldn't come around, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't just lay them down once. And I, you know, my dad taught me, he's like, uh, lay them down and throw a tarp over them and leave them there for a while. I didn't have an hour to get these horses going. I had to get out there and get salt packed or I had to get range road or whatever. And I was by myself, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I'd lay them down. and, And a lot of times, it seemed like if I would lay them down three or four times in a row, mm-hmm. I could get more done with them mentally than I could than leaving them laying down. Yeah. I, you so, lay them down, sit on their head for a minute, and then uh, yeah. let them up, lay them down again, yeah. s- sit on their belly and poke them in the eye a little bit, and then uh, yeah, and then let them back up, and yeah. That way they know, like, yeah, I, I'm not going anywhere. I can't go anywhere. Yep. Yeah, I had a big paint horse that a guy had brought me. He had been a stud horse, and he cut him when he was like four. Mm-hmm. Big old sodden, kind of a cantankerous bastard. And every time I would use him, I had to do that. Yeah. And I just decided, you know what, that's just what I got to do. And... uh that horse knew that's what was coming mm-hmm. and he would fight me on it and fight me to get the pack saddle on and we'd battle and battle and battle. And finally I'd be like, you know what? You're going down. Yeah. So I'd pull up a leg and pull his head around and he'd flop on his side and I'd leave him lay there for a few minutes and kind of pet around his head and what have you and let him get back up and, Force him down again. I shouldn't say force him because really they make the decision. Oh, yeah. You know, they just get tired of trying to stand on three legs and they go, you know what? It's a lot easier to lay down. Yeah. <laughs> so they flop over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and then, then, then you can tell the ones that, 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 that you have to do that on multiple times because they'll, they'll fight you to a point and then they're just like, all right, fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, shoot. I even had a good old broke horse that. Generally, he was really good to shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had him on some pretty good pasture, and there was another kid that had been using him. 
and he'd been draining the shit out of it. The horse was as fat as a tick. <laughs> and <laughs> I had never had this horse buck ever. And this kid had told me, he says, he bucked me off, Scott. I'm like, what? Buck you off? <laughs> what, the, what the hell are you talking about, you know? Well, I needed to put some shoes on him, and I went to shoe him. And this horse was fighting me, and I was like, that's not like him to fight me, you know? And so I I flopped him on his side and laid him down, you know, pretty quick. When I let him up, he was good to shoe. I didn't even have to pull up any feet. I just went to shoe him like I normally did, got him all shod. And uh, I needed to go out and check cows with him. And I trotted out of the headquarters there, not headquarters, but out of my cow camp about maybe a quarter of a mile. And he was doing pretty good. And then, bang, he goes to bucking. And I was like, what <laughs> the hell? <laughs> and he, he was a big, soggy kind of horse, but he couldn't buck hard enough to buck your hat off. Yeah. Uh, I just remember thinking, oh, tells me how round ass this kid was, you know. If he couldn't get by that, he damn sure couldn't ride a regular bucking horse. Mm-hmm. So this kid, he uh, he tells me the next time I talk to him, he's like, "Yeah, I've been graining those horses." <laughs> Why are you graining them? Well, I just thought, you know, it'd be nice for him to have that extra feed where we ride them as hard as we do. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, man, they all look like they're about to founder <laughs> as they could be, you know. But yeah, that's why they were so cantankerous. But dang sure laying that that old gilding down made him better to shoe as well. Oh, I bet yeah. those those fat horses are hard to ride because they got all the piss and vinegar, and then the saddle don't fit quite like it's supposed to. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you, pretty soon you get to rolling, and you're just like shit. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta like uh, you almost gotta go the bull rider style and. Reach, reach and shift right. that saddle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't tell you how many times I've had a saddle shift on me. Oh, it's it's always, always those fat ones coming in, you know, first thing in the spring, and they're just barrel fat and sassy and, and just wanting a fight, too. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's yard. And this little son of a gun, he was he was kind of snaky acting, but you didn't know what he was going to do. He, he wouldn't let you know until you were in the middle of it. You know? Yeah. And we had a pretty nice spot to ride a colt there. They had this big arena. It was a big indoor arena. And they had it worked up and everything so that they could ride colts. Because all these kids I was riding with, they'd all ride colts besides riding in a food yard. And so I, I step on this colt, and I he had really good withers. And the, the saddle that I ride, it's a Larry Christensen saddle. Mm-hmm. And I, when I had him make it, I told him I was riding quite a few good withered kind of horses. And so it fit this colt really good normally. And I didn't cut him in half, you know. I just pulled up my cinch and stepped on him. Well, I get about three steps. And he blows up. And I mean, jumps as high in the air as he can jump. And I could feel this saddle shifting. 
Well, he had good withers, like I say, so it wasn't shifting side to side. Mm-hmm. When he would hit the ground, it would slide way up his neck. And then he'd jump in the air and it'd slide clear back. And I was like, son of a bitch, this thing's, <laughs> thing's going to go over his head on me. You know, and I, you've probably had that happen before. Oh, yeah. So I keep thinking it's going to go over his head. It's going to go over his head. But he'd hit the ground and jump in the air again and it'd set that side a little bit back. And he has a really good heart girth. I mean, nice yeah. and fat. Also, it, it wasn't like it was going to come off the back end. But yeah. Good Lord, after about 10 jumps, he started to turn to the left, and I thought he was going to jump hard to the left, and I was like, shit, this saddle's going to tilt on me, and I'll be the end of me. You know? <laughs> well, he's looking towards the alleyway that goes into the horse stalls. Mm-hmm. Had it open. We didn't have a panel across there. It was just open to go right into that alley, and that's where I normally would saddle him. And he's bucking that direction. And he kind of, after he started to turn left, he kind of lined out. And I was like, oh, damn, we're going to jump right into that slick concrete alleyway, you know. And just then there's this kid, oh, can't remember his name off the top of my head. But anyway, pretty decent hand. He jumps out and yells, whoa, to try to keep that horse from running down the alleyway, you know. We're bucking down the alleyway in that set of stalls. And that horse froze up. I mean, that fast. Huh. Just absolutely stopped. Huh. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Thank goodness. Cause I, I thought for sure he was going to jump right or left. Whatever he was going to do, it was going to be the death of me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've had a couple of those where, because I, I typically, I don't grab, grab my rope. I don't grab leather. Like I just try to. I just two hands on the reins, just trying to get, I usually I'm pulling, pulling his head around to the right and just trying to, trying to get him spinning. But this, uh, this old horse that I got, he's just cranky when he's fresh and, uh, same, same type of buck. We're just real high crow hop. Yeah. Not hard to ride, but hard to like, it's just hard to catch a rhythm. And, Uh uh, all of a sudden we're like, we're loading cattle on the scale and he's been pretty snorty, but I thought he bucked once already. So I thought he was out of it. But all of a sudden he just cut in two and just like bouncing right through the middle of about, you know, we had about 200 head of uh 800 pound Charlotte steers right there. And like, he's going right through the middle of them. I, I was grabbing every piece of leather I could find. <laughs> like, go oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to hurt. <laughs> And yeah, and then all of a sudden, like he gets about halfway through him and then just stops and, you know, and then you're just like quivering. They're like, well, you did that to yourself, you idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. what, what what are you acting all scared for? That was you. That wasn't me. <laughs> I, I didn't want that. <laughs> oh, some of those horses would crack you up. Oh, man. I was just like, oh, fuck, I'm going to die today. <laughs> this is the day that I die. <laughs> and it's like... And then he yeah, he just shuts it down and uh, like I don't know and luckily those the steers just like they bailed out of the way just in time and nothing, nobody got tangled up but I was like whoa there's no way this ends ba- uh ends well I was like there there's this can end no way but badly <laughs> and then and, and it and it, it it worked out but I was like whoa yeah, it's, it's funny some of them will never quit they're 
whole life they'll just be bucking horses for the rest of their days, you know. Yeah. I had one in my string over at Ellison's that was his name was LJ. And it, not a real big horse, you know, but always cantankerous, you know. You'd be brushing his belly off and he'd kick at his belly. Yeah. And uh, you know, you you couldn't cinch him up tight when you walked him out of the barn because he'd go to bucking if you cinched him up. I mean, even remotely tight. So then you'd, you'd tighten up your cinch once you got out of the barn. and You knew you were going to have some kind of battle with this son of a gun. Oh, yeah. Every time. You know? and, and it didn't matter what the battle was. You were going to go to battle. Mm-hmm. And at first, uh, he'd buck with me. And he figured out that he couldn't buck me off. So the next thing was he would be difficult to get on. And when I say difficult, I mean the the cow boss would crowd him against the corral fence. And then he would just sit there and snub that horse against his saddle horn between his horse and the fence. And I'd have to kind of climb underneath his horse's head and then slide up between there and climb on that horse and, and try not to get kicked while I was at it. Cause you know, he's going to try to kick me as I oh, yeah. Him. Then I'd get in the middle of the saddle. Well, after this horse had figured out he couldn't buck me off, of course it was a runaway. Yeah. And, uh, for a long time, it was just runaway after runaway. And then I knew if he didn't try to run off, we were going for a bronc ride. Yeah. And he was one of them that had a mile of wind. I mean, and of course, a lot of those horses on the span had that uh, Coggins, mm-hmm. and they say it takes their wind. But it sure didn't bother this cat. I mean, he he buck a half a mile. Yeah, he didn't buck real hard, but he he buck consistent. Just keep after it, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh. uh. We we had uh my dad had quite a few horses growing up uh, raised quite a few and there there was some that uh that they never would buck there was always you know a handful that just like never bucked a day in their life just never had it in them what for whatever reason but and then you'd have some that would start really good and like it was all, ride three was always the scary ride like you know they first ride they they're probably gonna buck but they don't have their feet under them. Second ride's kind of the same. And then third ride, they figured out what's there. They they know how to move. And then, and the, especially the ones that haven't bucked yet. Now they know how to move and they haven't been happy this whole time. They just didn't know quite what to do about it. But now they got their feet under them and they're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and yeah, yeah that, that third ride is always kind of the, that's the, that's the, the fun, the fun one. Yeah. Like you, I don't know. I, I was telling, I forget who I was talking with the other day, but. You know what, uh, you'll know exactly what I mean, but like right as, uh, as you swing your leg over and right as that, that leg's starting to come down, there's like a, a very like still moment where just like everything kind of pauses and you're just like, all right, here we go. <laughs> and and then you, you hit the saddle and like, who knows where it goes from there, but there's just like, it just like pauses, everything pauses right there and you're just like... <sighs> All right, <laughs> and then then your ass hits the saddle and 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 it's on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of wild. I don't know. It's every time I've had a horse buck that like I knew was gonna buck. Every time that happened, just like 
right before you catch that other stirrup, it just like freeze frame almost. And yeah, <laughs> it's wild. It's funny how it works, mm. but it's, it's one of those things you get. So you crave it after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Well, well Matt, I'm going to have to either go plug into a wall or my phone's going to die on me. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's call that for the, the main episode. We'll, I'll, uh, Go plug your phone in, and I'll, I'm gonna go take a leak, and then we'll come back and do do 20 minutes or so for the for my paying subscribers, and uh, if that that works for you, it sounds good to me. All right, well, uh, thanks, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in, Scott. It's always a awesome time, um, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in and. Move your ass, we're burning daylight. Crossing mountains in the southern They rose straight out of the plains. Took to living in the northern town. Where nobody knows my name. Sunny is hotter than the salsa here. Salsa here.